Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Real Drug Talk. My name is Jack Nagel and on this show we talk about all things alcohol and drugs in the alcohol and drug space, addiction and addiction recovery. Uh, so today's episode is brought to you by our outpatient treatment program where we help people to get recovery without having to go to rehab. Um, so if that floats your boat or sounds of interest to you and you don't want to go through the traditional mechanisms, um, you can reach out to us uh, by heading over to www.connectionbasedliving.com.au. That's www.connectionbasedliving.com.au. Um, and we'll be happy to help. Um, and if we can't help, we'll point you in the right direction. Today's show is awesome. Um, we chat to a guy that talks very, very eloquently and very, very well about his own experience with addiction and how to transform out of addictive patterns. Um, his name is Glenn Munso. And boom, let's jump into the show. <laughs> All right, in three, two, one. Boom. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another show of Real Drug Talk. Now, um, just a quick disclaimer for everyone. I haven't got the the COVID, but as you can probably hear, I'm a bit uh I'm a bit nasally and I've I've just come off the back of being wiped out, had all this stuff humming, and then boom, got smashed with a bit of a wintertime cold, but coming good now. So don't panic, everyone. I haven't got COVID. I, I've just got the standard cold. Um but on today's show, I, I was excited to do this interview and I'm glad that I've bounced back um, because I got Glenn Munso, who I've, who I've interviewed before, but it was quite a while ago now. That, what, what was that, like three or four years ago now? Jeez, yeah, it would have been. Yeah, that was ages ago. Yeah, yeah, probably like four, four years ago. Crazy, crazy. Yeah. And the reason why I'm excited is because I, I really see Glenn um, as a bit of a pioneer in, in the alcohol and drug space in... Uh, in, in Australia, because um, don't get me wrong, there's always been alcohol and drug services around us and stuff like that. But Glenn was really one of the first people to come with a different message, um, with a different approach and really kind of get a bit of a grassroots movement happening um, behind him and his um, first book, which was um, uh, Drugs Don't Discriminate. And uh, yeah, it was just uh, amazing to see like the social media presence that he built around that. And, you know, that obviously he's continued to build on over the years. So I'm interested to talk about some of that. Um, but how you going, mate? What's, what's been happening? What's new? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good, bro. Um, yeah, just, um, yeah, still, still running the program. Everything's um, going good. We're sort of just, yeah, just picking it all back up now since I guess COVID because um, we had to switch everything online. Um, yeah, which was which was interesting as well because that gave us, um, it gave us opportunities to work with people. We did a lot of um, online programs and we worked with a lot of people in detention centers. Oh wow! Um, yeah, which was interesting because I didn't even know that you know people in detention centers would have access to Zoom. <laughs> so that was really that? cool. Yeah, that kind of just spread around um, in this like in the detention center and then all of a sudden before you know it there's just heaps of people jumping on so that was um yeah that was interesting man but yeah everything's been good um yeah still still running the program still yeah still doing what we're doing awesome hey and that's good to hear because i was like we just said before i think it was about four years ago that i interviewed you first and probably it was you were probably going with like just being busy like how how much before like what year did you release your first book um so 
to that's a good question um i think i yeah i released it 2017 and was that when you first got sort of off off drugs or did you been off drugs for a little uh, while yes yeah, so i've been off drugs for a little while then um so i've been off drugs shit it's maybe since 2009 yeah 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 so so while so quite a while yeah yeah so so that's the thing that um that i like about you um and this isn't sort of like criticism of anyone else but uh yeah you you had some like and there's still exciting things happening i'm I'm sure but you had this like massive kind of success in terms of like your message getting out there and stuff set up the amazing program um and yeah like you it's just like your passion. You, you just love it. And you're still, still doing it to this day, just knocking it out and, yeah. and helping people. You know, I, I think um, it's really cool because there's a lot of people that sort of start something based off their own like experience, you know, like do some cool stuff. Um, and then yeah. it's sort of all like wears off the, the magic wears off yeah. and, and they move on to the next thing, you know? So yeah, it's really cool to see you still smashing it out and, and well, doing it. Well, it is a hard, it's a hard, I guess, industry if you want to call it it is isn't it yeah like you know at at the top at the start i guess for a lot of people it's probably like fun and you know all that sort of stuff but then as you sort of hang around a little bit longer it gets very very heavy you got to learn Mm. how to look after yourself as well battle against the system (laughs) yeah yeah and you know you're gonna face a lot of i guess yeah issues um with people with clients all that sort of stuff so it is it is a very, you know, there, there's a there's a lot of work to be done, you know, a lot of work behind the scenes as well. So it's not, I guess, as easy as what you know people think it is. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So, um, I want to get into all of that, um, because yeah, like you you have some really interesting perspectives, and and I've done a couple of cool things with you in the past, but. Just before we do, like, um, so for the people that are listening can get a bit of an idea, like give us, give us your history. Um, give us the five minute version of, of you and your story and how it all played out and what brought you to this point. Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I guess you could say, you know, growing up, um, I was, you know, I, I guess just a very shy, anxious kind of kid very, very early. Um, you know, I grew up in a, I guess now that I look back on it at the time, I didn't realize how toxic it was until I guess I got a little bit older yeah, um, and understood that more in terms of like family dynamics and upbringing and stuff like that. But, you know, I did grow up in a, I guess, toxic home um, yeah. where there was just like a lot of fighting and stuff like that. But the fighting, the arguments, it kind of kept inside the house like on the outside would probably look normal yeah, um, like every other normal family, I guess. And then, you know, there was just, just a lot of, a lot of shit going on which is almost more detrimental isn't it because like mm. it kind of teaches you like to be secretive and and you know yeah. like deceptive and not express yeah. yourself and stuff like that yeah yeah exactly so um yeah so there's just a lot of stuff like that going on um so you know a lot of you know i guess drinking um, on my dad's end um you know a lot of fighting all that sort of stuff growing up so when my parents finally split up it was more like a relief yeah i was like fuck you know about time um <laughs> but yeah but my siblings my i got two older siblings and you know they're like 10 years eight years older than me so um there was a big gap so when my parents split it was me and my little brother who are 18 months apart um, yeah 
it, it just felt very quiet, I guess. There was a lot of yeah. trauma that my mum went through. Um, it was just very quiet. And I guess in, in a way I did feel a bit neglected and abandoned because it was like all this shit just happened, all this trauma happened, my parents split. Um, and then it was just very quiet. You know, all of a sudden there was more freedom. The parenting wasn't as strict. Um, and then, yeah, I somehow, I guess, to mask all these emotions, I guess you could say, um, started doing drugs, um, yeah. started partying a bit, started smoking, smoking weed a lot. Um, and then, yeah, that led into experimenting with other drugs. Um you know, with pills, speed, ice, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, and then I, I didn't really drink alcohol that much because my dad was a heavy drinker. I don't know if maybe, you know, seeing him and the effects and what that did, maybe I didn't really, yeah. you know, um, touch that. But the thing with my dad as well, like, you know, he, he drank, but he still worked 12 hours. He still worked really hard. It functioned, yeah, very functional, like, you, there was apart from the anger and the fights there was nothing you could really say that he didn't mm. provide or do for the family mm. um and then yeah so then i started yeah selling drugs uh got caught up in the wrong crowd and then yeah selling drugs led to me you know getting my first um convictions so yep. Um, that led with an altercation with a police officer. Um, I assaulted a police officer, got caught with drugs. Um, and, you know, I was looking at like assault charges, affray, resisting arrest, um, drug trafficking. Um, so I was looking at all these, you know, charges that I'd never had before, didn't really know how the system worked, none of that. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I got, I got sentenced. I got sentenced. I remember my first time I went to court, I got sentenced to one month jail. So yep. I got handcuffed, everything got chucked in the back. Um, didn't even know that I could get out on bail. It was just a really like, what the hell is going on? You know, very foreign. <laughs> I was new to it. I, I didn't know what was happening. Um, and then, yeah, I guess when I, when I got out of that, so I, so I appealed that um, I didn't end up going to jail, which is good. Um, I got sentenced to an 18 month intensive corrections order. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, 18 months of doing community work, um, I had to do anger management, I had to do some drug courses. Um, and I just remember, I guess, while I was on that order for so long, because I'd seen so many people come and go, come mm. and go, come and go, my eyes were kind of just a little bit more open because I was like, nothing is preparing me for outside, like when I leave this place. Yeah. Um, you know, and I remember, look, one of my corrections officer once said that I was like an 80% to 90%, you know, high risk offender, that this was going to be the rest of my life. So <laughs> at the time I was like 21 and I was like. <laughs> great, great bit of hope to hear, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, no way this is going to be the rest of my life. Like, fuck that. Like, I will not be doing this. Um, I've learned my lesson and I definitely want to change and I don't want to be doing this for the rest of my life. Mm. Um so that was just really interesting and it just opened me up to a whole new, I guess, world. Um, mm-hmm. At the time, just before I was, you know, really overweight as well. Um, you know, I was 112 kilos at my heaviest and I started exercising. I started training. Yep. Um, and while I was doing that, I was, you know, I was, I guess, detoxing a bit. And then, you know, I stopped using drugs. And then all of a sudden I was like really... Um, 
connected to myself you know for the first time i was like yep. starting to feel happy the first time i was looking at goals i was being ambitious for my future um you know and the and the gym the training the exercise mm. all that sort of stuff had a massive massive impact on my mental health um and when i when i was already doing my order because i had one month before i went to i mean one year before i did my course i i did my personal training course um and at the time i was like oh, i really want to help um obese people that are obese i really want to help them get their life on track mm -hmm. really because it was like a mindset thing if anything um mm. and then i remember just telling you know sometimes i tell my, some of my clients you know my story and I was like, oh, you know what I really want to do? I really want to help people that were in my position, people that were on drugs, people with mental health issues, addiction issues. Um, and I really want to turn that into a program where I can help the person who's struggling with addiction find themselves through exercise, moving around the body, finding themselves through the exercise, but then also doing the mindset stuff, like mm. finding the mindset tools, you know, working on themselves, finding their self-worth, um, working on the internal you know hard stuff yeah um and getting them to yeah where they want to be so and then i turned that into a program so love it mate love it and look there's so much in that that i want to ask you about um but yeah that that's what i like about what you've kind of created is again it's it's born out of that experiential stuff um but how funny is it, right? Like, cause I find this, I hear a lot of people say this in, in rehab as well. Like, um, you know, like, I don't know, in rehabs, they often tell people like, I don't know, there's like 2% of you that will fucking, <laughs> you know, change your life and the rest of you will fucking die or whatever they tell them. And yeah. like, yeah, like what that corrections officer like told you or whatever. Like, yeah. I yeah. don't know. It's like so fucking yeah. weird. <laughs> it is. Well, the they they're not well, they're not really giving hope to people. I guess you know a lot of people that are going through it are looked like people look down at them. You know, people look down at like you know like you're a criminal and all that sort of stuff. So you know, if you don't believe in your your clients or the people around you, then you know I'm pretty sure they're not going to really believe in themselves as well. So. Yeah that always used to fucking that used to piss me off a lot especially when i'd mentioned my goals and there'd just be like an awkward silence after it <laughs> um but yeah there definitely needs to be hope um you know i guess you know just to show people that it, that it can be done if if you can if you can get in you can get out you know what i mean like if you can get into addiction you can definitely get out a hundred percent you know a hundred percent yeah Sorry, everyone listening there. I don't know if my phone was ringing coming through the podcast, um, but that's how we roll. We're just uh, <laughs> real and raw. But yeah, like I love, I love that because I don't know, like I think it's something that people have to understand is that like, you know, <laughs> yes, they might be kind of the stats that are presented and there might be some truth to them, Um which I don't think exactly paints a clear representation of what it is anyway. But if you're telling people that they can't, you know, change and, and be better then like, they're just going to take on that belief system, particularly when they're in a vulnerable space and, you know, not yeah. struggling within themselves. Like, it, you know, it's, it, yeah. Exactly. Self-fulfilling prophecy. It's crazy. <laughs> well, in, like imagine like, you know, you're running your, your program yourself and people come in and you're like, yeah, you might be able to change or 
yeah, there's only like a 1% chance <laughs> of you finishing the program. I don't think, you know, it doesn't sound like the actual person running the program believes in their, their thing. Like That's what right. They're doing. So That's right. Yeah. No, there's so much to be said for that. Just kind of psychologically, like that's the foundation is that you have to have a little skerrick of hope or belief that things might be different for you. And if you don't have that, then you can't do the next stuff. So interesting. So um, would you say like kind of in a way going, even though that's like kind of a negative experience going to like prison for one month or, and doing all that stuff, was that like in simple terms, did it kind of like almost scare you straight a little bit? Like, and it was a, it was an eye opener for you. Yeah, I, I guess the the big eye opener was, you know, before that when I so I had the altercation with the police officer and that was the first time. So yep. when I came out of that, I I like it was pretty messy, you know. I had bruises on me, I had a broken hand, I got maced, mm -hmm. um, you know, I got the shit kicked out of me. Um, at the start, it was like you know I was really angry and I was like, oh my god, I can't believe, you know. I, like how like how that actually happened and how that is actually legal like how can they do that yeah um so i kind of was looking at it at a different way because it was pretty bad um but then if i didn't get if i didn't go through that as bad as what was because it, like yeah. if, if that was like now and you take the photos and all that sort of stuff then you know you, you have a case that you know, both ways, you know, um, but that was a massive wake up call, you yeah. know, um, I, I remember, you know, for ages, I'm just like, fuck that, you know, that's bullshit. How, how can they, you know, break my hand? How can I have all these bruises? How can I get maced all this sort of stuff? And no one really kind of look into like what actually happened on that end. But I guess that was probably the biggest wake up call being handcuffed, being in that altercation, in that situation, going through that, um that was that was probably like my first wake up call where I was like fuck I can't keep doing this because it is going to you know it's it's going to be like this this is what this results to you know so yeah, yeah. I I reckon that was probably that was definitely the initial start that's what got me thinking you know because what like while I was selling and doing drugs it, it was just all about that like how much more can i get who can i sell to and i was mm. just i was kind of just very consumed with that but after that night um i remember going home and just having broken hand being maced couldn't sleep couldn't close my eyes and i was i was bruised everywhere and i remember i was up all night just thinking i need to change my life and that was yeah. probably the only time that i that was probably the first time that that i did that in so many years yeah, yeah yeah so interesting so interesting and like just going back a little bit as well i'm interested to ask you about um you know like how you said there was all those kind of like unhealthy dynamics going on in the in the family home as you were growing up and and stuff yeah. like that like were you sort of aware of that all at the time or is that all in hindsight that you realize that maybe some of that could have been in contributing factor to impacting on you um in a negative way um not like at the time not like i don't know like i guess at the time it was just it wasn't a relaxed it wasn't only till like later later um you know like speaking 
to like my fiance or just speak it to people just talking about stories of upbringing you know and then yeah you know she would be like that's not normal yeah um <laughs> you know and i would and i just would be like what do you mean that's just how we grew up and she's like that's actually not normal so for ages i guess i i just kind of brushed it um because there were a lot of issues there i guess you could mm. say for my dad and stuff like that um and there was a lot of times where i kind of just brushed it but then there was a lot of i guess patterns that were like happening you know just in terms of like my aggression and how reactive i was and you know all that sort of stuff but when i look back on it definitely because my upbringing my household definitely it wasn't a safe place for me at the time yeah um, yeah so that definitely um brought up a lot of i guess yeah like shit for me um yeah later on yeah it's interesting isn't it because i was very much the same um just like you know kind of being spat out the other side and and you know you're you're trying to turn your life around you're in recovery whatever and and you start yeah. to like yeah have these conversations with people and and it's weird when you go oh hold on like maybe some of that did impact me like mm. this or maybe that's a contributing factor so when you did like turn it around i'm interested to know for the people listening because it's definitely a common theme that we hear from people all the time but how much how much of like your process of change has been you know like changing your mindset you know like changing your behaviors or and like changing emotional stuff yeah or has it been just about like getting off drugs and having different structures and routines in your life like how, how did you sort of divide all that up well, I think like the first, the first time, like, I mean, like the first stage or phase, you could kind of say the first stage, mm -hmm. it was like, okay, I just got the shit kicked out of me. I need to get off drugs. So it was like, more yeah. like I need to distract myself. So I was like, okay, I need to um, stop doing drugs. I need to, you know, look for a course, which, you know, when I found my personal training and it was just all about exercise. It was just yeah. training, training, training. And I think, you know, I was feeling really good. Um, I was exercising, um, you know, I'd get home from school, then I'd go to the gym. Um, then at, at night, I'd kind of just, just be around, but, you know, just kind of like block myself away from, I guess, people that were doing drugs. Yeah. In way. I, I was very yeah. isolated. I isolated myself as yeah. such, you know, um, people were still calling me like, oh, can you get this? Can you get that? All that sort of stuff. But then that kind of just died out after a while, like, you know, people yeah. kind of found out what happened. So but the first the, phase was just about changing, ex, cha having a new focus and, and yeah. just changing your life in yeah. terms of the people that you hang around with and stuff like that. Yeah. And it was just about like, I guess, getting off the drugs, so just exercise, 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 and just really just kind of going with that. But then I kind of went through, I guess, a second stage where I was very, very emotional. Like, yeah, yeah. You, you know, like I just felt like I was on this high at first, the first stage. Oh my God, it's so easy. I can't believe I got off drugs so quick. Like, life is so good. I'm, you know, I'm on top of the world. This, that, Pink that. cloud. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but I hadn't done any of the internal shit. I just kind of like, you know, maybe jumped onto, you know, that. And then yeah. once that kind of like slowed down, I was, I don't know maybe it's called like a midlife crisis what people go through but it was just sort of like an identity crisis i was just starting to feel really emotional um, yeah yeah i was you know missing 
missing friends, missing, um, you know, almost, almost fooling myself. Like I was missing the old, like life a little bit, Yeah, um, you know, and, and that's, that, that was like really interesting. And I guess it was, you know, when I look back at it, it's like, it's the connections there, the friendships, the, you know, the laughs and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, I, I just found myself in a very weird space where where i was starting to feel anxious again starting to you know to depression at times you know yeah. all that sort of stuff and that's when i started i guess just working i guess a little bit more deeper like you know i was still doing mm. the exercise stuff but now i was sort of like addressing the internal stuff like just doing yeah little things at first, you know, it was, you know, like, you know, affirmations, you know, I remember reading about the affirmations so long ago now, but I, but I remember just, you know, and then doing courses. Um, I did like um, NLP course, so neuro linguistic programming. And I just remember learning like heaps of tools off that. Yeah. Uh, and then even just talking to my sister, like uh, she's a psychologist. So I remember just talking to her at the time because I was like, hey, I've, I'm training people. I yeah. didn't say it was for me, but I just like, I'm training people. Um, who are really overweight and I want to know some mindset tools. So as I was sort of like teaching my clients these mindset tools, you know, way before I had the program, I started kind of doing these mindset tools for myself. Mm. Um, you know, like journaling, affirmations, you know, positive thinking, um, manifestations, all that sort of stuff. And yeah, I just started working on that. So then I guess the second stage was just really about maybe purpose finding purpose for myself, you know, mm -hmm. like, what do I want to do with my life now that I'm off drugs? Well, you know, all that sort of stuff. And then I guess a couple of years after that, it was kind of just working a little bit more deeper onto like patterns and traumas and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. there's, there's so much like to it. That's why I even, you know, when I get people in the program and they do good for the first three months, six months or whatever, it's like, okay, cool. But that's just getting off drugs is just the start. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's really good, but it's just the start. There's so much, because the journey is your life. The journey isn't just to get off drugs. The journey is your life. So mm. you need to keep working because, you know, re relapses happen, um, issues happen, events happen, you know, that sort of stuff. So, yeah, there's there's just so many, I guess, there's just so many stages, I believe, anyway, that you've got to address and work on yourself. Mm. So, in, so interesting to hear. And, um like one of the things I wanted to ask you about as well, because you were one of the first people to sort of like talk about it and it helped to shape how I, how I think about it as well. And, and, you know, um, I think it's really interesting. I feel like it's starting to shift a little bit with social media and people talking about things more and stuff, but like you were the first one to kind of start talking about, you know, like how big, your identity is and you just yeah. touched on it there and and the identity that you form for yourself when you're going through this process of change so can you just like talk a little bit about like you know that yeah. that stuff that you talk about around you know like calling yourself an addict and and the yeah. way that you talk to yourself and all those sorts of things because i think it's really interesting yeah yeah for sure so like when i did the when i wrote my first book and then you know i did the touring and stuff like that so i, I never went to rehabs i never went to um like na group support groups and stuff yeah. like that you didn't and, do any of the traditional stuff yeah never um so i never ever in my life called myself an addict yeah um, 
so when I was doing the book tours, I remember a lot of a lot of people coming like at the end of the talks were going, hey man, nice to meet you. Um, you know, my name's or whatever, and you know, I'm an addict. And it like it just kept going. And like at first, yeah. I just, you know, first it was just like, well, okay, um, you know, nice to meet you. And then it just it just kept happening. Like every every person I was meeting, and I was like, what the hell? Like, where yeah. like, where is that coming from? Like, why is that, you know? <clears throat> Why are people saying that literally? Why are they calling themselves an addict before they say their name? <laughs> when they're introducing themselves, they're calling themselves an addict before they mention their name. Yeah. Um, you know, and and that was just like just very interesting for me because you know, if someone's saying they're an addict before their name, I'm like, okay, then <laughs> you know, you talk about your identity, you know, when when someone calls your, you know, like just your name in general. So um I just remember just kind of like looking at a little bit like kind of further like sometimes I would have people in my program you know and I, I I would I guess when we're doing the mindset stuff I'd never talk about being like an addict it was more about like okay who do you want to be and what do you want to create for yourself like yeah what yeah. New, new identity do you want to step into um you know and how does that serve who you are right now so you know if you think about if we're creating you know, a new identity or an identity that serves us, um, you know, why would I be, I guess, affiliating or calling myself something that's from the past or something that's kind of like dragging me down? Like it just felt like a big cloud that people were holding onto. Yeah. Um, or almost like a backup for failure. Yeah. I remember one person I was working with, you know, they were really good and they're like, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that, all that sort of stuff. And then a little relapse happened and they said to me, oh, you know, it's normal because I'm an addict. I, and I was like, what? The last, <laughs> the last nine months, you, we never like, you, like you never said that, but the minute you failed, you just fell back and just go, yeah, I'm an addict. So that's normal. Yeah. And I was just like, bullshit. Like that's not who you are. There's so much more to who you are. So, you know, I, I, I just did a lot of, I guess, my, my second book, I, I go really deep into that, just saying, you know, if we're talking about who you are as a person, you know, your values um, and what makes you who you are. Um, and if you're no longer, I guess, using drugs, why are you still calling yourself an addict? You know, I remember mm -hmm. sitting down and thinking, going, okay, so if you use your drugs, if you use drugs, you're an addict. But then if you no longer use drugs, you're an addict. So when does it stop? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and if you really want to, I guess, create, and if you, if you want really want to create the life where, you know, I guess, cause life is always, you know, progression, we're always progressing and stuff like that. Yeah. So I just feel, I just feel why, why is it necessary to hold on to that? Like, I'm not saying disregard what you've been through. Cause yes, there, there's parts you know, all that sort of stuff. But, you know, I'm not going to go around, you know, lost heaps away. And, you know, at one time I was obese. I'm not going to go, oh, yeah, I'm obese now. <laughs> my I'm name's not, Glenn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like my name's, you know, hey, I'm obese. Well, my name's Glenn, I'm, I'm obese. Or, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say that now. I'm not going to, you know, identify myself as an addict now. Um, I'm not going to identify myself as, you know, I guess all these kind of like things. But it, it was just kind of, I guess, an interesting um concept and i just remember just saying you know like we're talking about the hope thing 
if, if, if I've yeah. got young, young people coming into my program and they're like 18, 16 and they're using drugs, am I going to just go, oh, it's okay. We're going to work really hard, but you're going to be an addict for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> do you get what i mean so like yeah. if, if imagine hearing that at 16 18 20 you know and thinking that that's what you're going to have to call yourself for the rest of your life because you know you're an addict so i personally just feel really funny about it and i remember just also just talking to so, i met so many cool people along the way as well mm. who, you know doing really cool stuff like yourself and you know they they weren't calling themselves that they were yeah. really kind of like identifying identifying themselves with that. And I just felt like the, and then there was other people, like older people who came to me for help, you know, that were in their fifties and sixties and there was so much pain there. There was so much pain, so much resistance because yeah. they wouldn't let go of the addict um, mm. title. They, they just, they couldn't, they wouldn't let go of it because once they did, you know, you're going into the unknown, you're going into unknown territory. That's right. And um, I also think scary. Yeah. Uh, I love how you sum that up. And and it's funny, like, which, which I think I've spoken to you about, like, it's, it's kind of weird because I guess I did kind of go through more traditional um, routes and, and some of that stuff initially for the first while, like really helped me to kind of just, fall into like that belief system structure and it sort of gave me a, a reason to go yeah this is why this might be happening to me and all that kind of stuff mm. but then it was weird like as I, I i say you know like as i moved out of that just like madness of the early days and got my brain back a little bit like yeah. there was just stuff that just wasn't kind of like adding up for me and yeah. and as i went through the years um of of engaging in that sort of thinking i actually started to just like in my behavior um and I, i'm not black like it's all my responsibility i'm not blaming it on, yeah. on that but yeah like i think it was a big factor into me like kind of behaving in ways that you know like i'm not proud of and that you know yeah. i kind of regressed you know because i was keeping myself stuck yeah. in in like this old reptile skin you know yeah. this old old jack and, yeah. and you're exactly right like if i did something that I wasn't proud of or whatever, I would just say, oh, you know, like that's my addictive personality. Like, yeah. oh, that's what that's what addicts do. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just well, like, you know, you, you think of mindset stuff. So you think of affirmation. So it's like the more you say something, the more you hear it, the more you hear it, the more you, you know, you think it and you believe it. And, you know, your beliefs yeah. are thoughts that you're having over and over and over again. So, you know, if you do your affirmations and it's like, I am, you know, I am strong, I am, you know, I'm capable, you know, I'm, you know, whatever. And if you flip that on, because affirmations can be negative words that we're saying as well. So if you're yeah. going around going, I'm an addict, and you say that every time you meet someone and say you meet 10 people or say you go to NA and you say it like 10 times in an NA meeting yeah. and you go to an NA meeting every day for the week. So, you know, you're saying that, you know, about a hundred times a week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and do you just think of the programming that you're doing for yourself if you're yeah. saying that every day for five ten years yeah yeah you know there's going to be a lot of you know i don't know if i say the word damage but there's going to be a lot of like i guess programming in that that doesn't it doesn't serve you anymore um, 
yeah so yeah it's really it's really interesting um and i love talking to people about it because it's been such a it's been such a strange i'm i'm glad in one way that i've had like both experiences because i like i really like know it well um and it's it's kind of hard to explain because there is part of it when you first when you when you're real fucked and you like need something yeah just kind of mentally and psychologically like i think it helps humans it's like when you're sick medically like physically it it helps to like have a diagnosis or someone to say oh this is what what's wrong with you because i think the humans it helps you to go oh this is what's wrong yeah this is the solution that's it but yeah it's it's really weird like to kind of progress like that and and just stay stuck in that psychological framework you know so um the the other thing i was going to ask you is like like how important have you found it for people to yeah i guess like get physical exercise going in their life um and and you know from what i understand about your program like yes you do a lot of those like traditional things where you help people like psychologically and work through their underlying issues yeah but it's like wrapped up in the context of like having a purpose in terms of like getting fit and changing your body and you'll have conversations with people while they're working out, you know, stuff like that. Like yeah. how, how important have you found that in like the process of change? So, so, so important. The, the body is designed to move. There's just too much. There's just too much information out there that says that the body needs to move. Like think about it. If you have depression or whatever, yeah. you go see a doctor, the first thing you're going to get, okay, let's look at nutrition. Let's look at, exercise movement yeah as well as da 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 um so you know i i remember and i'll never forget this i remember having a conversation with a, with an older person that was like from the war and they were they were saying that well he believed that a lot of men were going through depression in this era or this generation because we weren't moving nowhere near as much yeah and he was saying like back then it wasn't it wasn't, there wasn't so, I guess people had it, but it wasn't as much as what it was. And he yeah. said, because, you know, people were training and exercising and there was, you know, heaps of people were going to the army and not exercising for the war and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. he was saying that it's because we've stopped moving. Like a lot of people now sitting at home, they're on computers, they're playing PlayStation, whatever it is. And movement has just kind of like declined. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that, that was just kind of interesting what he said there. But the, the link with exercise is just so important because the brain, everything, the dopamines, all the healthy chemicals, um, how good we feel when we exercise. You know, you, you hear it all the time. Oh, my head's a bit foggy. I'm going to go for a walk. Yeah. You know, all that sort of stuff. So, and then even just from myself, like, you know, you, it's, it's shaking, it's shifting you know, energetically, emotionally, you're shifting your body. So exercise is super important. You know, the body is designed to exercise. So everyone should be exercising and the effects that it has on the mindset is just, is just massive. You know, if you have someone that comes in with their walls up and they're quiet and they're shy, you know, you get them to do a gym class where we're moving around and running and push up some weights and boxing or whatever, the vibe, the energy is, definitely lower yeah um and when you're exercising you're 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 present in the the exercise as well like yeah it just it shifts so much so the connection with exercise is is so important Um, yeah 
because it's it's energetically it's you know you're shifting everything inside you your your self-esteem you're feeling good you know all the all the chemicals of the body like what we're designed to do so yeah exercise is key so important super super interesting and 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 this is the thing that yeah like i've i've loved always kind of chatting to you about and watching what you're doing because you know it really is like changing the paradigm in how we think about addiction and and how we kind of approach it when you put that together you know Mm. with forming a new identity and all that stuff because i was thinking about it before when we're even just talking about that you know thinking of yourself as an addict kind of thing like if you think about that differently then it changes the nature of like how you think about relapse as well you know what i mean And and then because so many people like when they're doing this stuff like they they go six weeks and then and then yeah they do pick something up again and then it's like oh fuck like i've relapsed you know yeah. like and yeah. and it's like well how about like not saying that it's okay or that that's what you wanted to achieve but how about we just don't even think about it like that how about mm. it's just like you just yeah. had a day where you like regressed into like some old patterns yeah and that's it. Like, let's yeah. keep going. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, like you, you're never going to have like, it's bullshit. If you think that you're always going to have a good day, there's like, we're human. We always have shit days. And, you know, it's about, you know, are we bouncing back up from that? Is that yeah. day turning or is that action turning into one week, two weeks, three weeks? Or was it just a couple of days and we kind of like move on? But, you know, I, I think sometimes if you dwell so much on, oh, fuck, I, d- I did that, that one action shouldn't. Yeah define the rest of you know all the hard work that you've kind of done as well so relapse is always yeah interesting but yeah like you need to keep moving forward you know learn learn from it um you know but but definitely like keep moving forward like I, i i always joke about it but i just think about it like you know if i had someone in my gym and i wrote them a nutrition plan and they're like fuck i i fucked up and i'm like what's wrong and they're like oh i had you know i had maccas on the weekend you know, I'm not gonna be like, get the fuck out. You're like, you know, you're banned <laughs> from my family, or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's just gonna be like, okay, well, let's let's keep moving. Like, you know, today's a new day. How are we gonna make it better? Um, yeah. and you know, but but also like look at like, okay, how could like what would we do different as well? Like yeah. sometimes look at that because you don't want to kind of bypass it to the point of where it's just like, yeah, you know. Because, you know, we can be tricky at sometimes, you know, sometimes yep. you kind of just bypass and it's like, yeah, yeah whatever. Um, but then we end up doing it again and again and again. And every time it happens, we're just like, yeah, whatever, 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 whatever. And then before we know it, we're in a vicious cycle. So, you know, learn from it, but don't dwell on it. Um, yeah. And keep keep moving, keep moving. 100%. So can I ask you a personal question? Is yes. that okay? Yeah. So, So how many years has it been that you've been kind of, yeah, in recovery in this new identity um doing doing different stuff so did you say 2009 yeah yeah so what's that that's like over 10 years so that's um that's like 11 12 years ish time goes so quick (laughs) (laughs) so so have you gone back to like drinking again no yeah i like i i never drank really anyway yeah yeah um, what about like using any like drugs recreationally or anything like that? No. Yeah. So, no. and do you believe that people can go back to it? As in like what full, 
not not in terms of like obviously not like addiction but um you know like once they've had these addictive patterns they've like done some work on themselves like do you think that they can go back and say let's just say alcohol like can they drink socially again and 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 kind of go back to a normal relationship if you want to call it that it, with it, alcohol? It, it depends on the person if they've if they've worked on the trauma and like really really done the work yeah um yeah but it, it really just depends on the person like yeah if they're sort of like in a way where they're like oh my god i'm an addict oh my god i can't go to a bar oh my god i can't drive past a bottle oh my god and they're like in massive scarcity and fear then no way yeah but if they've done the work they've healed the trauma they've yeah. healed healed the triggers and like really done the work then there's no reason for them to kind of fall in that because they're aware now awareness yeah. is just like through the roof and they're very very aware of themselves and their patterns and their behaviors and all that sort of stuff but if you've been living in that i guess scarcity and fear and you haven't done the deep work you yeah. haven't done the work or worked on your tra trauma um then no way yeah um, it's really it's really interesting so uh, the more kind of i talk to you it sounds like you sort of subscribe which uh, to be honest i'm i'm the same really like you subscribe to that notion that it's not really the substance it's about the person and, and why they're using the substance. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what needs to change. Yeah, exactly. Cause you can really like, if you think about it, you can, you can be addicted to anything really. It's like, yeah. you know, so yeah, it's about, yeah, it's, it's really about like, you know, like I was saying before, like when we remove, the substance or, or whatever you're using to escape or whatever it's about doing the internal work like okay why are we going there why are we um distracting ourselves like what's really going on and just kind of yeah looking yeah. at i guess the pattern really yeah because sometimes yeah. people just skip from addiction to addiction or, or whatever they want to kind of call it um, yeah but they're still in scarcity like you don't want to live in scarcity and that's why the whole identity thing all that sort of stuff like i'm so big on because i'm like you don't want to live the rest of your life in fear like oh my god i can't be around that oh my god you know yeah that's that's a that's a lot of that's heavy weight that's a lot of baggage to be carrying for the rest of your life and yeah fuck yeah that. yeah no so interesting and i think like i've had some really um positive feedback around this stuff and having these conversations on the show and it's kind of part of the reason why i wanted to do it because it, it is really hard to explain some of those things to people and particularly probably families as well when you've got someone that has just had like a couple of years of destruction in their life and you just think they're gone um <clears throat> but it is it is it is like important to have the conversation and just something that I really want to be able to achieve with the show is just reframing how people think about like addiction. Um, because yeah. I think it helps from the onset, you know, like if that you go into it and that, you know, that this kind of isn't a life sentence and that if you actually like heal some of the stuff underneath that yeah, for a lack of a better term, you can go back to being like a normal kind of person yeah, <laughs> whatever yeah. that means to you you know it's not something that you have to yeah like we we're talking about before drag yourself around to community halls and be stuck and you know just yeah be because defined like, by it 
Well, yeah, because I, I guess a lot of people think, oh, okay, people who are using are broken people or, you know, but if you just kind of just give yourself that time and, and just look at your life, I just kind of just slow it down, like the journey is your life and really just focus on what what you need and what you want and just really connect back to yeah who you are, um, you know, and, and just give it time. Um, yeah. Yeah. So interesting, mate. So um, what's next? What's next for the Munso train? And... and- <laughs> And use you, you like what? What do you what do you got on the horizon? You got two books um, out now. Um, yeah, yeah, I got two books out now. Um, I've like half done my third book. I, I should probably <laughs> that, <laughs> that should have been done ages ago, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll come back to that one. Um, but yeah, just um, just keep doing my program, I guess. Um, do my program, do some more workshops as well. Yep. So, not last year, the year before, you know, we're doing heaps of workshops as well, and just traveling and doing that. So, you know, do some workshops and um yeah just keep doing keep doing this keep you know i'm really called to just showing people that it doesn't have to be like this forever and that you know it it makes you a stronger person if you you know do the right thing love it mate love it um hey so thanks so much for coming on where can people find out about what you're doing and and how you guys roll and all that sort of stuff um so on facebook um, my facebook page so glenn munso um, youth youth program and then website youthyouprogram.com. Awesome, man. Awesome. Hey, thanks for coming on. I'm no sure worries, we'll bro. have you back again soon. Cheers, thanks mate. for having me. All right. Have a good one. Peace. All right, people. That was another episode of Real Drug Talk. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I always love having a chat to Glenn. His insights around addiction and how to transform out of addictive patterns. Uh, always on the money as far as I'm concerned. You can find out more about what Glenn does and his services in the description of this podcast. Also, if you are a loved one, like I said at the top of the show, is struggling with addiction um, and you don't want to go through the traditional routes of treatment, go away to rehab for 30 to 90 days, be locked away from family and friends. We help people to transform their lives without having to go to rehab. Um, It's called Connection Based Living. You can visit www.connectionbasedliving.com.au that's www.connectionbasedliving.com.au and yeah feel free to book in and have a chat with us and if we can't help you we'll uh, point you in the right direction hope you guys have a lovely um, week ahead and we'll be vibing in your ears again soon peace